now streaming only on Disney+. Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record-breaking Eras Tour. Swift Vieira's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Now streaming only on Disney Plus. Knock that fire down, 19. Copy, Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba Effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Ozark is over, but we are just getting started talking about the final season and series finale of Netflix's Ozark here on Posha Recaps. Hello, everybody. I am Josh Wiggler, just flying alongside the birds with my main man, Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, uh, here we are talking about Ozark one last time. One last time. Definitely yeah. one last time. We that was... We that was a great part of the finale, right? When, uh, when Daft Punk showed up. Yeah, and all of the characters and Jason Bateman just starts like raving. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Really, really great moment. <laughs> Surprise cameo from Daft Punk here in right. the, the final season. And there's nothing further to talk well, about. Yeah, we did it. We did it. We said we'd do it. We said we would come back and talk about Ozark. We did it. We talked about Ozark. And we didn't mean to spoil the Daft Punk thing, but it happened. But it did happen. Okay, so once upon a time, it was, what, January when Ozark Season 4 Part 1 hits Netflix. Antonio and I, into February, I believe, did a two-part podcast. One was all of our predictions heading into the final season of Ozark. And then one podcast that was talking about the first half of the final season of Ozark, which was dropped by the Netflix into installments seven episodes at the start of the year and now the final seven episodes of the 14 episode final season have been released we are releasing this podcast both in the post show recaps main feed as well as the post show recaps better call saul podcast feed which is where we had previously housed this podcast the difference now antonio is that we are in the middle of an active better call saul season better call saul is in its own final season 
right now. Uh, I think that we definitely have a lot of people who are in this feed specifically for Better Call Saul, maybe have not yet done Ozark and don't want to listen to this. Uh, To those people, I advise you to turn off the podcast, delete this episode of the podcast. We are going to be spoiling all of Ozark in a few moments here. Uh, We're certainly going to be talking in great detail about the final season. Right now, you're still in a spoiler safe zone, except for the Daft Punk thing, which isn't true. It's a gag. It's a bit. <laughs> it's a joke. Not, and not a very good one at that. No, not a particular. Uh, in some ways, it's a little bit better of a joke than, than you think, which we'll get to probably on the other side of the spoiler uh, warning. Uh, but yeah, we're talking about Ozark here in this feed. We want to make sure that it's hitting the same people who heard it the last time. If you have watched Ozark or if you plan to watch Ozark, maybe you would want to put a pin in this podcast and come back to it later on down the line. But the whole thing is available four seasons of television uh, on Netflix at this point, Antonio. Uh, worth resubscribing to Netflix for, Antonio? We're talking to the, what, the 200,000 people who bailed right now, aren't we? Oh, my gosh, yes. Just those 200,000 <laughs> who downloaded this. Uh-huh. Strange, strange. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, if you're curious, I suppose, it might be worth the uh, the one month. If you're a big Ozark fan, maybe... Don't you want to know how it ends? I guess we could just stick through the commercial here and we'll tell you. Yeah. 44 episodes of TV is what you're looking at when you're signing on for Ozark four seasons long. Not even close to the commitment if you are watching the entire Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul saga. Whether or not it's worth your while is a little hard for me to say without getting too far into my opinions on how the final season played out, Antonio. Uh, We'll be getting there in just a few moments. I guess broadly, though, I would say um, this is a show that I think you and I both feel and many other people feel is at least somewhat spiritually connected to the Breaking Bad of it all. Uh, This comes in the shadow of Breaking Bad in many, many ways. I think it has a lot of that same energy of like, uh, you know, family that gets dramatically in over their head and stuck in all sorts of ridiculously violent circumstances. But in the case of Ozark, I think a lot of like the extremity of of Breaking Bad is just ramped up for better and for worse, uh, way past the dial uh, is sort of my take on the show. And I think a lot of other people's take on the show. Certainly by design, not something that they would would not cop to uh, that. This is a, it's a different show. It's similar in some ways in terms of premise and definitely just probably what got it greenlit in the first place in terms of being on Netflix. Netflix knows how many of us have watched Breaking Bad an insane, crazy number of times. They know what we like. They know other shows that we like. So when they see one, they think, well, we should have our own version of that. And I do think that that's a huge part of what gets uh, Ozark greenlit. Maybe not necessarily uh, that it was commissioned to be such, although there certainly are shows on Netflix like that, um, and it's possible part of Ozark's development was like that. Uh, It definitely exists because Breaking Bad was so popular on Netflix. I have no doubt about that. Uh, But it's a show that stands on its own, in its own way, uh, and certainly on its own merits. Um, There are a lot of big Ozark fans out there. I hope they are satisfied by this final season. We will certainly get into some of those viewpoints here. Uh, But if you're a fan of Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, haven't watched Ozark, uh, you probably do like these uh, beautifully shot, bleak crime dramas. Uh, that Then then uh, what are you doing? Like Ozark is probably going to be up your alley. Uh, but then maybe it's maybe it's too much for some people. There certainly yeah. uh, is a wide variety when it comes to this show. Uh, even though the cast is spectacular and it has a lot of accolades, it's not a show for everyone. That, yep. that much is sure. 
Yep. Uh, Emmy winning show. Jason Bateman collecting Emmys for his directing on the show. Julia Garner has collected a pair of Emmys as well, I believe, too. I expect uh, very likely to get one, uh, at least a nod for her work here in the final season, if not uh, yet another win, which I would say would be very deserved. Once again, she's just exceptional here. An immaculately acted show. Uh, from uh, from top to bottom, the cast is really good. Maybe not from top to all the way to the bottom, but a lot of the, a lot of the acting at the top. I don't know is... who you're throwing shade on. I can't wait to find out. <laughs> is elite. A lot of the acting, uh, and it is nothing if not horribly suspenseful and stomach turning. And uh, dare I say, at times, uh, and perhaps even many times. A blood boiling show. Uh, so we'll get into that. I think, again, Antonio, you would say by design. Uh, and I think uh, a lot of that is what we want to talk about here. Uh, if you're just here for the Better Call Saul stuff, don't worry. We will be back to your regularly scheduled programming very shortly. We have just dropped as of this recording uh, and this podcast being released. It's going to come smack dab in the middle of our season six, episode four coverage of Better Call Saul hit and run we just dropped our recap in the better call Saul podcast feed which hopefully you have already listened to and our feedback show will be forthcoming as well later on this week so this is just a brief stopover in the ozarks before we return to better call Saul. that is about all the spoiler free stuff we're gonna do it's uh it's 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 enough for you to know that uh, either you've watched Ozark and you want to continue on or you're not watching Ozark or you've never watched Ozark but maybe you plan to or maybe you're not interested and so you've already hopefully deleted this podcast and you haven't even heard this part. Just in case, the last little bit of spoiler warning we are going to do is we're going to toss this podcast to commercial very early on here. There's going to be a big long commercial break or maybe a short one depending on where you are. Uh and on the other side of that Antonio and I are going to go Full range on all things Ozark, series finale, final season, the whole shebang. Final warning, stick around if you want to hear about our takes on the Ozark finale. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, Antonio. So the Daft Punk thing, Daft Punk thing I think was actually funnier because Killer Mike is on the show. Ah, uh, yeah, it's close. You know, so there is like a Killer Mike as Killer Mike. A famous musical duo. <laughs> half of a famous musical duo. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, could Killer Mike actually be uh, Daft Punk or has Daft Punk been unmasked at this point? I think unmasked. I think uh, Daft Punk is a, a pair of all French. Right. French don't tell me. No, no, no. Don't tell me. No spoilers. We did not okay. say that we would have Daft Punk spoilers. Oh, sorry. My apologies. In the Ozark. Finale. Ignore what I said. They're Banksy. I don't want to know. All right. Final season of Ozark. Spoiler warnings out of the way. At this point, we could just talk about it. And I'm. I'm I'm seething with rage. I'm I'm like I'm just so angry and I just don't Flames. feel I just don't feel good and I feel actively bad and angry when I think about the final season of Ozark and specifically the series finale which oh my god uh utterly infuriated me. And the more and more I get away from it the more and more I accept that I think that's the point. Yes. I am definitely feeling the yep. intention of yep. the show. Yep. Uh, I am as mad, I believe, as the, the people who made this show would want me to feel. But I, I, I have yet to arrive at the it's good that I feel this bad, uh, which I think a lot of people have probably gotten to sooner than I have. Curious for, for your take. Uh, and also probably for the people who are just going to be listening to the podcast and don't plan on watching the show, maybe we just want to set up a bit of what it is we're even talking about right now. Well, in terms of just the you actually kind of got me interested in it because you said before the commercial break that depending on where you are, you might have less ads. And that just really got me thinking about the themes of haves and have nots uh -huh. uh, and where people live, uh, determining so much of what their future might be and how uh, predators can interact with these classes Whoa. or groups of people like the um, Yautja uh, uh, with yeah. the, with the shoulder mounted laser cannons and yes. the invisibility cloaks. Yes. That, like them, uh, Dr. Yautja or whatever, uh, or just like a, a series of invasive birds. How about uh, yep. flying their patterns in a way that they're not used to and ruining the ecosystem uh, in their wake behind them and then flying away uh, to their, their old flying South for the winter. Uh, and then flying back home. Would it, uh, would it have been uh, choices were made? Would it have been too on the nose, or perhaps too on the beak, to uh, call them the vultures? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, they already called their house the bird house, and the, every uh -huh. time you hear a bird thing about it, it's they're all bird-brained individuals. Yeah. It's like there's so much can be done. So yeah, maybe maybe I mean, uh, the, the, the birds. It's just so it's cutesy, right? It's kind of harmless. Oh, look at those birds! You call them the vultures. They're like, oh well, this show will end with everybody picked to death, and their bones are all that's left, and the birds are hungry and full and satisfied, and will probably eat more people in a few right. days. Yeah, fly on to the next carcass or cadaver to pick yeah. pick clean. Yeah, uh, yeah, carrion, the carrion birds. Uh, that could certainly have been uh, the case. And I, I don't think it would have been too far from ultimately the choices that the show made. I, I think the show was always making these choices. Uh, and so maybe I'm a little bit less seething than you. I'm disappointed with some the 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 kind of the seams of the choices or the architecture of them. But as far as the ultimate uh just the, the what was built. I'm I'm on board with it. I get it. And 
inside the way just about everything else, including anything that seems resonant in this particular theme. Uh, it's just you're, you are become so dull to it um, and when you experience it and when you're on the other end of it, when when you have these things surrounding you. I mean, I grew up in Kentucky and I absolutely know uh, what the the point that this show is making. Uh, yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I that I'm happy about it. But, um, you know, I, I think that uh, generally speaking, the show made its choices and I at least appreciate it for that. I think you maybe aren't so happy with the choices that were made. Um, I don't know. I, I, like I said, I am starting to get to a place of where at least I, I appreciate what it's aiming for. And I'm just not so sure that it landed in a satisfying way, in a, in a way that feels completely, utterly earned. Um, I don't think that I'm, uh, fully all the way necessarily out on birds walk away from every car accident that they get into totally unscathed and everybody else just gets killed in the pileup. Um, I do think that that tracks and I do think that that makes sense. Right from Uh, the pilot, right? When all of Marty's business associates get killed, an innocent bystander, the girlfriend of Bruce, his partner gets killed and Marty and family walk away to the Ozarks with uh, Dell's blessing. Yep. Yep. Um, So I do think that there's, you know, it's baked into the DNA from the jump. Um, It, it is just like blood curdlingly infuriating in a lot of ways, but that being the point and that being the show all along, I think it's something I can get to. There are aspects of it that I think are very annoying. Uh, it's just, it's just uh, aggravating. And I am still trying to parse through how much of it is that I am, I am upset about certain things and that is the way that the show wanted it. And so that's good and effective and how much I'm upset about things. Uh, and it's not, for the reasons maybe that the show had intended. Um, So let's like quickly run through the final season as best as we can to try and encapsulate what the heck even is going on because uh, it has been a couple of months since the season uh, split into two parts, which now certainly Antonio feels like a really uh, naked uh, effort at, hey, subscribers, stick around. Uh, You know, we got the other season. It's coming in quarter two. You know, don't leave. Please don't go. Please don't yeah. go. Yeah. Now, everything through that lens now is very interesting to think about, right? Like these choices, which maybe don't make a ton of sense. Why do we have a short gap between the seasons? What are we really doing here? Uh, now, maybe it's making a little more sense in light of uh, some recent Netflix news for sure. Yes. Uh, so when we return to Ozark, we are hot on the heels of the double homicide of Darlene and Wyatt Langmore straight off of uh, the heels of their wedding. Uh, and it was Javi of the cartel who killed the two of them. Uh, and Ruth is none too pleased about this. And the entirety of this first episode is really hinging on Ruth trying to execute her vengeance plot uh, against Javi. Uh, the, the birds and Javi, they are going to be in Chicago. They're going to be continue, uh, continuing to meet with Claire um, from Shaw Medical to continue their, uh, you know, further descent into trying to, or I suppose their attempted ascent of going legitimate with Javi and the cartel being um, backing players as well. And we are going to find out via the bird children, uh, Ruth is going to find out where they've gone, that they've gone to Chicago, that Javi is there. And Ruth is just seeing red Antonio fire engine red to toss it to uh, this week's better call us all uh, (laughs) as she is going to go. And she's going to have all of these revenge fantasies, but maybe she's going to do it. Maybe she's not. She's not so sure. She's going to get out of the car. She's going to run towards him. She's going to shoot him in broad daylight, but it's a dream. 
uh, and Marty Bird is going to clock Ruth and say, this is good. It means that you're not a killer. It means you're still a good person, Ruth. Uh, and then she just needs a pump-up talk from Killer Mike to let her know that uh, this is probably something that I should do. I should just go ahead and, uh, and, and take this guy out. Right. Maybe and using the metaphor of Nasa's Illmatic, which is hilarious thinking about the, the show reflecting the tastes of the writers of the show mm-hmm. and uh, putting them on what like a 19 year old uh, girl from uh, the, the Ozarks. Not to say that that wouldn't be the case, but I couldn't get it out of my head. This old hip hop album uh, reflecting the themes of that killer Mike in that conversation with Ruth talking about what, whether Nas would have regretted that life had it not led to what was produced and being able to produce such a masterpiece maybe makes the experience worth it. Uh, and you are a product of your environment, but you can move beyond it. Obviously, these themes uh, were very Langmore oriented for Ruth, carrying around the Langmore curse, feeling like maybe she didn't have opportunity uh, and seeing all of the violence and all of the criminality around her and trying to rise up from that. Uh, I, I can see why it would be resonant to her. And I can see why that conversation uh, and just that whole trip and all of the the dreams that she was having really motivated her and put her in a position. I think also subconsciously, she probably knew that this is a death warrant kind of thing, that you sign your own death certificate when you shoot someone from the cartel like this. Having just seen Darlene get that justice coming from all the way back to season one with the thing that happened with Darlene and Dell. Right. Uh, having just seen that bill come due. There's some part of Ruth that knows by making this act, by defending Wyatt in this way, uh, by striking back on his behalf, uh, she is signing her own death warrant. I think she does on some level have some concern about that. Yeah, uh, I did think that it was really effective in this first episode. I actually really liked this first episode of the of the second half of the final season where we're so rooted in Ruth's headspace through all of this. But we're also really rooted in Javi's headspace who had emerged um, who who appears, who debuts in the front half of this final season as like the next big bad right. for the birds to have to go up against, like the next like maw of the wolf for them to not get eaten by. Uh, and instead, he is just taken out here in the very first episode of the second half of season four um, in an episode that I think is like getting into his psyche a bit and getting into the complexities of, of him as a character, of both just like, being a fearsome guy that also has, you know, this, you know, this higher education that he feels like he is never going to be able to be anything other than someone who is judged and not wanted on um, the marquee of any of these deals. He's going to take it out on his old, uh, that's his former professor, right? That he's, uh, yes. that he's beating up in yeah. the bathroom uh, in what really is uh, the, the character's swan song, effectively his, uh, his final scene before he does show up at the meeting with the birds and Claire that he has been lured to. And in this haunting wide shot, uh, uh, the character of Javi, who's played by Alfonso Herrera, who I thought was really, really good in this role, just gets got, uh, you know, there's like, there's really no flair. There's no circumstance to it. It just happens. And I do think in the context of what's going to happen to Ruth by the end of the show, um, I think a lot of what you're talking about of this being, you know, uh, foregone conclusion stuff um, does track that it's sort of presented in this really matter of fact way. Um, I thought that this was very effective. I, I I really did appreciate the way that they did this part. Right. I, I did, too. Uh, there are some things, obviously, that flow from it. And I'll talk about the rise of Camilla that I have some problems with in terms of just like late stage planning and what feels earned and what feels like an arc or the end of a series. 
all this stuff. I, I was when you were talking there, I was having a thought. I wonder I should ask you, Josh, to power rank uh, the cartel, the various cartel bosses and mini bosses that the birds and Ruth encounter throughout. We've got Dell, of course, yeah. in season one. Helen Pierce comes in right after that. Then we get more close to Navarro himself. Then, of course, Javi really comes for uh, to the front of the stage in the first half of this final season, and then Camilla in the second half of this final season. Did I put them in the order that you would rank them in terms of their effectiveness on the show uh, and their value as, as characters? As characters. Um, I am, uh, I don't know what this says about me, but uh, count me, sign me up, Helen Pierce, number one. Okay. Uh, I okay. just, I thought that Janet McTeer was so great as Helen. And again, I said this during uh, the first couple of Ozark podcasts that we did, Antonio, that uh, the death of Helen was the thing that I was spoiled on uh, before I started watching the show. Uh, and it was the thing where I was like, oh, that seems bold. I'll check this out. Uh, so I watched her the entire time knowing what it was that she was uh, driving towards. Uh, and it, it made it really intense to watch all of the various things that she was capable of along the way. So I think for me, very subjectively, I was just deeply rooted in her character. Um, Dell probably comes next for me. Uh, as the first of the many cartel bosses that we come to, to meet over the course of the show. He is a really terrifying character. I enjoy that actor quite a bit. I think I shouted Caprica the last time we talked about <laughs> Dell. S.I. Well. Morales. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I, I really enjoy him a lot. And um, his, his death at the end of season one uh, was probably my first really huge shock of the show. Uh, I think for, for me, as far as like nothing that I knew, had no idea. As far as I knew, that guy was on the show still uh, and him just getting blown away. Uh, but note the away by Darlene at the end of the season one finale um, really, really knocked me out. Uh, it was just a, a really, really horrifying moment for me that I greatly, um, greatly admired and felt really exhilarated by and wanted to continue on with the show. I think from there, we're probably talking about Top Dog, Navarro himself, though maybe Javi. I think that they're a little bit interchangeable for me in terms of who I think is more effective. I really like uh, Omar Navarro's uh, uh, dynamic with Wendy. Yes. Uh, I think that their relationship on the show, I also just love the way that the actor who plays Omar Navarro uh, wields the words Muddy Bird and Wendy Bird. Uh, I think that's Felix Solis uh, who does such a great job in that role. Uh, so I, I really do enjoy him. Um, and I thought that Javi was great while we had him. He seemed really dangerous. He seemed like that sort of like feral alpha dog that like you're very concerned. What's this guy going to do next from the time that he kills Sheriff Nix in the first episode of the final season to what he does to Wyatt and Darlene just st sets him up as this really hugely formidable guy. And then I have like almost no thoughts about Camilla, to be totally honest. Yep. And therein lies the rub. Because right? she is final boss, yes. uh, as it were. And yeah. I'm, uh, you know, I think that there's an interesting story there. Yes. I just don't know that it was, it was told in a way that yeah. I felt really connected to. That's a little bit part of my issue here is yep. we've kind of talked about the first episode and what this first episode does in fairly specific fashion. A lot of what comes next for me just like fell victim to the binge model of Netflix. There is some of that for sure. We have the return of some notable characters and Rachel and Ben. Uh, ben, in his case, just kind of having a moment, but his shadow lingers over the whole season. So yeah. it was important to recenter that moment, I think. 
and to we'll keep talk him about center that stage. Yes, sure. we certainly will. Uh, and we, we, we have all the fallout with that. We have a lot of stuff uh, with, of course, uh, Wendy's father, Agent, Agent Dad. Uh, we have Agent Dad in the scene, uh, in, in, on the scene there in the Ozarks, hiring Mel Saddam, the private investigator. Uh, Mel is keeping time with Agent Miller. Uh, so a lot of the old, the old characters or some of the, more, the newer characters in the case of uh, Wendy's father are on the scene uh, and they get their moments. Uh, Sam gets his moments throughout. Like there are these things that happen, but really it, it is so important to talk about the finale because that's where really everything comes home to roost. And we'll definitely get into some of the scenes. But for me, the, the letdown is when you take Javi off the board so early, then you've only got Camilla and Navarro left. Navarro's locked up. He's level of threat is really not there the camilla level of threat is a slow burn and it builds and it's certainly there by the end of the season uh, but it is not really hyper present throughout in fact the suspense and intrigue surrounding it is its own plot point for two or three episodes uh and that i think is is a marker that that maybe that could have been handled a little more delicately one thing that could have helped of course would have been introducing camilla at any time prior to these final seven episodes, um, especially if she'd been somehow in season three, uh, been some part of the Navarro ensemble, uh, that she, maybe she had her own motives so that her turn actually has some value to it and is earned. Um, of course, that isn't the case. We She sort of emerges in the turn uh, and the flip of the character on her brother. So that part really means that building her up as the final boss means that she's last on the power rankings for all the, all the cartel bosses and yet it is she who pulls the trigger on Ruth. And that is just so unfortunate to me that we didn't get to spend more time with Camilla if we were going to end up where we ended up. Right. I mean, there is some degree to which, like, how much does it matter who specifically kills Ruth? Because um, it's Camilla who's there. It's Camilla who pulls the trigger. But the birds killed Ruth. Yes, and, and Ruth did too, right? I mean, the, I think one of the things the creators wanted to do was make sure well, that Ruth a lot of does, what happened, but that's because the birds brought the cartel to the Ozarks. That is true, and because uh, because of the way specifically that uh, that there were certain reactions to it, right? Like in terms of what Darlene did uh, to Dell, um, that's what sets this whole chain in motion that gets Wyatt killed ultimately, and has Darlene being the victim of the intended victim. So yes, I agree. It's because of the birds, but. I, I think it's because ultimate I, I think Ruth could have survived the story, maybe if she doesn't pull the trigger on Javi. Uh, right. And of course, Javi is there because of the birds. Uh, but at least it was because Ruth actively chose to do the thing that she chose to do. And we did spend that very good first episode in the rumination of that. And I don't want her to lose her agency in that. I don't want the choice to be absent, separate and apart uh, from what happens to her, because I do think the two things are interconnected. And I think Julia Garner sees them that way from the interviews and the kind of the stuff that I've seen. So I agree. It is the birds, but I, I also don't want to take any agency away from Ruth. That said, it is still at the hands of a character who it just isn't additive at all to me. Uh, it isn't, it doesn't do really anything for me that it's Camilla except frustrate me, if, if, except frustrate me. But when they make the choice to take Javi off the table at the beginning of the season, a bold choice, one I agree with the half season, I should say, um, then this is where you're left with. You're left with who's left to pull the trigger on Ruth. Uh, if it's not going to be Marty or Wendy, uh, what what justice is there left for? She's BFF with Frank Jr. Now uh, they're cool as hell. So who could it even be? You know. <laughs> yeah, but I do think that that is a, a you know a foundational part of the show. From um, when you're tracking it from the death of Dell, 
Uh, and then it's not a, it's not a terribly far cry away from when Darlene takes her own freaking husband out of the picture. Uh, Jacob Snell, who's right. a voice you can no longer impersonate. Marty unfortunately, Bird. That's Marty pretty good. It, you still got it. Uh, and then the next season, it's Helen. And then the next season, uh, it's kind of, you know, precipice. it's Darlene next season. And the next season, it's Javi at the start. Like it is a thing where every season, Someone is leaving and then a new heir apparent to the force of antagonism does arise. Uh, and it's funny because this show is Ozark with the OZ. And I'm reminded not uh, uh, I'm, I'm reminded of Oz. Uh, <laughs> Can we call it Ozark? Can we yeah, just start pronouncing it Ozark? Because Oz would do this as well. And one of the things that Oz, uh, I'm not going to get into overly you know, big details about a show that ended in the early 2000s and was predominantly a 90s show. But just in case you've never done Oz and that's just out there waiting for you. Uh, one of the things that it did do was like it set up a lot of storylines in like those final two or three episodes uh, with these huge new characters who have the promise of so much story and are just shown up very, 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 very quickly here at the end and play huge roles in the resolutions of certain characters. Uh, and a lot of that is down to casting, that it works. Uh, and in some cases, it doesn't work very much. But I'm reminded of that sort of quality that Oz would kind of roll through all of these different lives that would show up destroy people, get destroyed by other people, and ultimately all of them being destroyed uh, by this horrific system. Um, that I think that Ozark ultimately, that is very much happening here as well. I just do agree that like for me, Camilla didn't land so strongly as a character. Um, but to some degree, I wonder how much that's on Camilla as a character. And for me, a little bit more that when they kill Javi at the start of the season... There is this, this sort of faded quality to it that you're talking about with where it goes with Ruth to the point where I like the shock that this happens really, really early, Antonio, but I just don't know how much more story runway there really is beyond that point. Not enough to really sustain a very compelling six sub subsequent episodes for me. I think a lot of like the Ruth is trying to, you know, reclaim the, that casino life uh, that she and, um, oh gosh, uh, Rachel, right? Uh, Rachel yes. returning, that the two of them are teaming together. It's kind of fun, I guess, but it just feels like really extended epilogue stuff for me. It does. And it, and it also sort of feels like uh, you're setting the devastation up, right? You're setting up all of the Greek tragedy of the death of Ruth, ultimately, by having her have an unfinished swimming pool by tearing down the trailer, by having her literally talking to ghosts on top of the trailer, by having her get her record clean, which I think is the big win for the character, right? That she walks away from the show. She does die, but she dies with a clean record. Uh, she dies a Langmore with a clean record. That has to be some kind of record uh, in and of itself. So I, I think that's a big deal for the character. Does, and I appreciate does, uh, it. Does three have a record? I, he might. I mean, he probably has a juvenile record. I would suspect that he does. I would suspect that he does. Maybe yeah. not. Maybe not. And maybe uh, maybe Wyatt's wasn't too long. But these Langmores, they just they get caught with their parents in bad situations. We heard it from Ruth in this final season. It's like, well, I, I looked at your record and basically every time you got popped, one of your older relatives was on the scene with you, whether it was an uncle, whether it was a father, whoever it was. So you got to imagine that same thing happened with Wyatt. You got to imagine that same thing happened with three. Yeah. Uh, but she dies with a clean record. 
And I think that's a win. I, I liked all the Ruth stuff. I, I really did like it all. I understand what you're saying about extended epilogue. I think it's really there to set up the tragedy of the of the final act and where her ending is. And for that purpose, it does feel like, okay, it, when you say the faded aspect of the shot and everything that's coming from there, it does feel like, well, well these are just deck chairs at this point. Like we're just rearranging them right before the ship right. sinks. You can dig a hole, uh, but you can't escape. And I do think that there's a lot of thematic stuff that's coming home to bear with her in this final season. Yeah, definitely. Um, so that's going on with her. She and Rachel are trying to sort of reclaim their legacies to a certain extent. Some of the other stuff that's happening part and parcel with all of this is your boy Mel Saddam uh, has... has <laughs> Stand uh, up, Mel Saddam Ultras. I'm yes, here to lead the fan club. Yes, he, he remains in the mix. And yeah, he ends up being so much more important than I expected. He is the, you know, the the co-lead of the final scene of the whole flipping show. Yeah. Uh, and again, in sort of this idea of like, new forces of antagonism that rise and fall all along the way. This is a guy who's introduced in the final season and everybody who has like stood a chance at taking shots at the birds at this point have all basically fallen by the wayside at this point. And by the end of the whole thing, Mel Saddam, who it's no longer even his job no. to be going after these guys is just so uh, disgusted repulsed cannot put away the uh there's there's knowing and then there's proving uh antonio yes. uh, i have heard it said and he can't put the knowledge away he needs to keep digging uh the world doesn't work this way uh is the the righteous fury of the mel saddams of the world and that guy exceptional uh as far as far as i'm concerned is uh the 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 stepping into the limelight of adam rothenberg as mel saddam in the final season of just like not willing to abide the obvious murder of this poor man at the hands or at least the like the complicity of his own flesh and blood yeah. is just not something that he can sit with uh that uh saddam poorly i don't know i was trying to do it uh <laughs> that sat poorly itself who's um, saying that you know, and so like he he can't hang with that. Uh, he can't have any of that. So his final story is is really good for the most part. I think him and like Maya, that's a good dynamic. Hilarious I when it's like she's like, "Are you hitting on me?" And he's like, "Yeah." She's like, "It's not going well." And he's like, oh, I think it's going great. Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, the guy's guy's got some swag. All right, yeah, we can deal with this. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of his whole storyline in the final I, season? I like I did, of course, as a as a complete Ben stand. Uh, I appreciated that Ben was a character in this final season without barely being in it, uh, and was certainly without being in it in any new way. Um, I really respected that that they respected the hell out of the importance of that performance and that we didn't make it out of the final season without that being something which had some significant impact on the story, I think, in other ways, uh, especially with regard to the Jonah of it all. Uh, I do feel like it was kind of left by the wayside, and I'm frustrated with that aspect of it. Uh, but as far as the Mel Saddam aspect of it, I think it worked. I didn't love Wendy's father, like I said, as a character, and I'm glad that he was exposed to be a POS and that everything regarding him uh, ultimately that, that we didn't he didn't come out of this story looking better than they did or having some sort of moral righteousness or clarity that he was trying to lay claim to because everything everything we've heard about the guy is what a real piece of trash he is. So 
I, I didn't necessarily feel like that did much for me, and especially with regard to him being the one who was pushing the Mel Saddam angle. But I liked the story. Uh, I also liked the ending on at least the level of, okay, who are you at this point? But just a, a Chicago cop, a Chicago cop, one police officer is no match for this behemoth, this horrible beast that the birds became in their time in the Ozarks, uh, that they have morphed into their final form. And their final form is no match for a private investigator called a police officer. It's just not a thing that can even touch the birds. And by the way, they don't even have to do anything to beat that rap. They, they're literally their children can take him off the board. He's that meaningless to them on that level. So I at least appreciate it on that level that it's okay. Uh, it, the show, the move, the show starts with the private investigator playing a key role uh, in somebody that Marty, of course, is having Wendy uh, investigated by because she's cheating on him. And this private investigator is talking to Marty about everything that happened, sending him the videos, telling him the whole deal with the affair. So Marty is hired a PI and sussed out some information about Wendy. Uh, meanwhile, the actual horrible criminal activity that's going on uh, is what gets Marty and Wendy sent to the Ozarks. So I, I appreciate we've got like sort of a framing device with the use of private investigators and whether or not uh, what the investigators have found uh, will have any impact on the birds, their relationship, their place in the world, any of it. Um, thematically, the the PI angle of it does work for me, especially having gone back and watched the pilot. But uh, I don't know. How do you feel about Jonah Bird being the one who I don't like it? I don't like it at all. I think it's kind of dumb. I think that a lot of what's going on in this final season is Jonah is the one who in the family is the most upset is the most scandalized and traumatized with the knowledge uh, of his mother's role in the death of his uncle and the death of Ben. Um, he's, you know, going to work with the Langmores. He's getting tight with Ruth. He wants really nothing to, to do with this. And then he's kind of just folded back in sort of like through this like desperation play uh, from Wendy, right? You know, that the yes. only thing that matters is the children and, uh, you know, she's, you know, uh, institutionalizing herself mostly as a sympathy play is definitely how I read it. I don't know if you read any deeper into yeah. that of her actually being troubled. Um, I have a hard time it's... accepting, uh, you know, her, yeah. her real troubles on the show, her and Marty both. I definitely think Marty Birth, you mean Marty Bird. Yes. Uh, I do think it's a little bit of both. I think that there was there should have been some moment of character realization considering the hospital, considering the Ben angle, considering the family angle and all of it, um, that there should have been some moment. And I do think there one of my favorite scenes of the season is the conversation Ruth has with Wendy in that hospital, uh, where these two people who have been at such horrible odds uh, and who ultimately have been in this position uh, – Wendy having lost someone at this point, Ruth certainly having lost someone at this point, uh, maybe Ruth having a better appreciation for Wendy uh, and what she must have been going through after all of that um, and understanding the difficulty of these choices that we that we have to make uh, to preserve things. Uh, I really liked that conversation. I don't think that comes if Wendy wasn't um, truly at a moment of emotional vulnerability such that she could admit that she needed help. I think it is symbolic that she checks in, of course, because there is an element of her doing it uh, for attention. Uh, and I don't like that, that it says that, that that's a thing that people do, because certainly not. I, I don't think what the show is intending to communicate about situations like this. But in the case of Wendy Bird, um, I think her 
doing it at all uh, is a cry for help uh, in some way, considering what she usually projects. But it's certainly manipulative. Um, but I think there were some real moments to it. Uh, but I don't think it was enough to really flip Jonah. The Ruth part of it makes a little bit of sense to me because of what was happening with Ruth throughout and what she just experienced with Wyatt specifically. Right. Uh, and she was so introspective uh, on all of this, literally thinking of things inside her own head uh, and sitting around quietly by herself doing these things. Um, I just don't feel like the Jonah part, him buying in on the family was as earned. Yes, uh, I, I'm not I'm not there. Uh, he had spent so much of the final arc of the show being so firmly opposed to the way that they have run their things, uh, run this ship, uh, this casino boat, as it were, uh, for him to fully flip and to, you know, not just kill someone on his parents' behalf, Antonio. He kills the guy who wants justice for Ben, yes. for, the, for yeah. the person specifically who wants justice for the person that Jonah took issue with yeah. getting killed by his parents. And suddenly now he is the one who is wielding the gun. And is, is there a version of this? Because I, I should say, by the way, Jonah officially killing Saddam is canon. Uh, the creators and the people involved in the show have confirmed this in post-show interviews. Uh, even though the way the show ends leaves a little bit of ambiguity, we cut to black before we actually see or hear a gunshot. And then yeah. we hear a gunshot, right? But there, there's a Shots fired at the Sopranos, for sure. There, shots fired at the Sopranos, indeed. Uh, and maybe shots fired at the, uh, the leaving yourself the opportunity to be ambiguous about your ending so that you can come back and revisit it later if you want. But the creators seemingly don't want to make that call because they have gone in the press and confirmed that, yes, it's, it's, a, it's a shot of Saddam, uh, not Saddam Hussein. Uh, and the, the choice that's made there is because they wanted Jonah, uh, they wanted Jonah's buy-in to be the ultimate point of the, of the let's walk away from the finale, realizing that this family has fully formed itself into its ultimate criminal form and that people like this do escape, that they make these choices uh, and that they are their own animals. Uh, they are separate and apart from society. Uh, they are not part of it. They just do what they want. Uh, they don't participate in any meaningful way except to destroy and crush and ruin. Um, and Jonah buying in on that is the final act of that, in part because he was such an oppositional force. But there's a world where with the ambiguity of the final scene and with maybe just one or two more scenes in the lead up to the finale, we'd be wondering if Jonah shot Mel or Wendy. Right, right. And I think that that is the thing. I think that Jonah's story, I don't I don't even know if I could necessarily say that it's underdeveloped. You know, uh, I think that they spent a lot of time yeah, on they Jonah did. in the final one. In the in the final run of the show, and yeah, even from season one, and some of the questions early on in the show is like, is he a sociopath? Like, right. is he is he psychotic? Is he right. killing animals and and like dissecting bodies? Like, how worried about Jonah should we be? And then Jonah, for a time, ends up being the most human of the birds, right? The one who <laughs> who who wants. Uh, I'm just now thinking of a humanoid bird. Of course, uh, so am I. Yeah, <laughs> that's why. Yeah, uh huh. We're broken. Uh, and so like they they go there with him. And then I feel like they just like they snap back to this place without giving us quite enough. If anything, if there's an underdeveloped member of the bird family, it's Charlotte, who never really um, amounts to much on the show. Um, I I think that like I, I can get on board with the idea of the show 
And then like really, you know, if, if you were ever to go back and revisit it and watch the show, if you hadn't been watching it this way before, you are watching the story of these terrible people who get away with it. Uh, you're watching the story of these people who just gnaw on every last morsel of decency that is available to them uh, and digest it to propel themselves forward in life with no rhyme or reason or care about any of the wreckage that they leave behind them. Um, I am curious, and maybe just to put a pin in it here, of just like to get your thoughts on the car wreck at the start of the season and its quote-unquote payoff here in the final episode of the show and how it plays into these themes. I'm good with the themes. I think the execution is really, really clumsy. I think that like, uh, you know, a taller ghost Walt version of Jonah being the person who has the rifle at the end of the show and is killing the guy who is literally holding the ashes of the person that he was most aggrieved by getting killed without doing a little bit more work to get you there. Um, that that really rubs me wrong and i feel like is just a little bit of a of a cheap narrative shortcut like it doesn't feel rooted in the character so much as it's rooted in the point that the show is trying to make and i think that that is a is a really tough disconnect for me to get over well it's interesting to me because in reading a lot of the post show press they talked about the choice to to take ruth out and what happened there and what led up to it and i think when you think about that, of course, fans of Ruth are going to be frustrated. And maybe even people who weren't fans of Ruth might be frustrated about the Camilla aspect of it, like we've lightly discussed. Uh, but they said when they sat down and were really looking at everything that had happened, everything about the character, everything about the Langmores, everything about people that had, had, had entered orbit with the birds and how things ended up for them when they got too close, they thought to themselves, the story is saying that we have to take her out. Even if we don't want to, uh, we just can't ignore the facts of what's happened here. Uh, and so they're, they're describing that solution and that choice as very organic. Uh, and I think Julia Garner would agree on some level. I don't want to speak for her. I know she's called it a Greek tragedy. Uh, I know she's talked about how she was meditating in like this half meditative state and thinking what Ruth was most worried about was that she was going to die because of what she had done. Uh, and then she got a call uh, from the showrunner basically saying, uh, we've made the decision to kill your characters. She was like, wait a minute, how did you know? Like, I was literally just thinking about that. It, it seems like it makes sense. And organically, that's what they went with because that's where the story was taking them. And then with the Jonah decision, it seems a little bit of the opposite. It seems like they wanted that to be the point. Right. And they just, they that so that's what the point was. And I, f I just feel like what we're, what I'm missing from that is a little bit um, in the final maybe three or four episodes. And look, like I said, uh, as far as ambiguity goes, if they had left it ambiguous and made you wonder if he had shot Wendy or if he had shot Mel, I think I would also have been missing uh, some of three or four episodes worth of final rising action to get Jonah to that point that he would actually shoot Wendy. Uh, maybe a fallout from everything that happened with the grandfather goes askew or sideways. Um, the wreck seemed to be this cleansing agent um, that they emerge from it formed in a new way as a family. 
Uh, even though it was, of course, before that wreck where they were like, we're finally getting out. It's going to happen. Um, it seems like emerging from that wreck and all four of them hugging and everything that happens with that uh, is the catalyst that brings them closer together. Of course, Charlotte has been on board with the family's operations for much longer uh, than Jonah. Uh, but Jonah, I guess, sort of gets on board to the point that this is his baptism at the end uh, when he makes his final act. It's his Michael Corleone uh, with Captain McCluskey moment. Um, so maybe that's it. Like maybe that's maybe that's fine. I just it just didn't work well enough for me that it felt earned. I feel like we were just a little bit short of it. Uh, but I at least respect that the show made these choices and that they're sticking with them. Uh, even if I don't love the idea of it, I for me, Ozark has always been it, it, this final season was what Ozark has always been. Um, the gradation of the show in the color and the grayness of it, um, it it's so washed out. Uh, it doesn't leave a lot of room for variance uh, in the way the show looks. And I feel like that's the way the show feels and the theme of it as well. Uh, I think that thematically, there's not a lot of room for variance. I think it's pretty monochromatic. Yeah, um, it's pretty one one way. Uh, and in being so, um, I think it delivered on that uh, for sure. Uh, it may have frustrated or dissatisfied some people, but this is the show we've been watching. Uh, and at least they delivered on that. It didn't feel like a different show. I think I think that that's fair. I, I think for me, I walk away from the finale feeling like not fooled, not tricked. Uh, infuriated, which again I believe is is the point, uh, and just feeling overall that this was just ultimately a deeply unpleasant show. Uh, and not that I don't love uh, a deeply unpleasant show. I, you know, I, I'm all in on Succession right now, which I know is a, a counterpoint in some of the offline conversations you and I have had about all of this. Uh, so I, it's not that I'm this, but there there is even there on Succession a bit of a uh, like an undercurrent of levity where sometimes you don't know if you're watching like uh, like a really intense drama or if you're watching a really dark comedy uh, that I think really works tonally there where I just don't get a lot of relief with Ozark, which again is, I think the point it's consistent to the vision. I walk away from this, uh, this car wreck of a show uh, of this, you know, like very violent, explosive, um, you know, uh, you know, propulsive storyline feeling like I understand what was being aimed for. I think that a lot of what was being aimed for landed. I don't think I ever need to revisit it ever again. Like, I don't think I ever need to watch a single frame of Ozark for the rest of my life. It's fascinating to think about. Uh, I did, of course, go and rewatch the pilot after the finale. Um, Checking for mirrors and stuff like that. It, right. And it opens with this big Marty voiceover about money, about what people think about money, why it's valuable, um, why, why certain people can just never get it, uh, what it means for those people not to have it. Um, it's really just the show making a mission statement, I think, right from the jump about money and about everything that happened. And I think if you're interested in revisiting anything, Josh, I would encourage you to revisit the first maybe two minutes of the show and ask yourself if thematically they, you feel like they stuck to that and if it landed. I'm sure in the writer's room they did that. I'm sure they went back and looked at. Um, th this is a show that my understanding is that the showrunner, Chris Mundy, is very purposeful uh, with the cast and talking about everything that's going to go on, that every single episode there's discussions of theme, uh, that it's all very uh, dialed into specifically what 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 is wanted. Uh, and it seems pretty clear that the actors are in on and understand the show that they're involved with. Um, so I, I would be curious, revisiting wise, just revisit that part 
uh, and see what you think. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. You, you bring up the succession element of it. Um, I'm less as I'm, I'm certainly in on succession. It's an incredible television show, uh, probably the best cast on television. And I can't wait to watch more succession, but that doesn't mean I'm not frustrated with the themes of the show sometimes uh, or the show's insistence on some elements of them uh, being like set in stone and some elements of them evolving uh, and why certain ones can and certain ones can't. That frustrates me. Uh, but I, I think it has a similar cynical worldview um, and it's about a different class, a different stratosphere. It's maybe about what the birds want to become. Uh, when they're talking early in the first season, at some point they're talking about wanting to be the Kennedys uh, and they, and Marty's like, is that what we are now? Uh, when when Wendy is talking about how Joe Kennedy started out as a bootlegger and you got to start somewhere and you have to leave that behind that you can start as a criminal and build yourself into the American Camelot. And that seems to be what the trajectory of the birds, uh, that was the goal for Wendy throughout. Uh, of course, I think you could. your mileage may vary on leaving Ozark whether or not they will be able to achieve on the promise of what they want to deliver on oh, now yeah. that they can, they can go straight and have the foundation and we're going to do good work for people. Now that's where this whole thing was about no our way. ability to do good work. And this ties into the better call Saul angle, obviously um, about what justifies you putting yourself in a position to be the arbiter of what is just and what is right. Um, why is it your call? Why are you willing to sacrifice this number of things for what you think is the greater good. What's that do for the greater good, Josh? Uh, so <laughs> yeah. I do think that that is, that is all there in this show. Maybe the execution is a little clunkier than other shows, uh, and your mileage may vary on that. But I think it's very much of a piece with a lot of these things that we're seeing in these other prestige shows. Yeah, I think that that's a really, really great analysis. I thought the thing you were going to tell me that uh, it would be worth going back to the pilot <laughs> to revisit is this scene with Dell and Marty where Dell uh, has just killed his best friend uh, and Marty has uh, figured out his ways to pitch him on the Ozarks. Yeah. And Dell says what he says. Uh, I'm torn, Marty, between intrigue and thinking this whole Ozark thing is just some bullshit. <laughs> yeah. <and laughs> is uh, complete and utter straw grasping bullshit. Yeah. Which uh, I guess like especially again, my favorite thing about podcasting is getting to talk this stuff through uh, and walk away from a conversation, at least like chewing on the ideas a little bit more and maybe uh, beginning the process of reevaluating it. And so I'm walking away from uh, this conversation about the final season, feeling that a little bit of like I'm torn between intrigue by a lot of what you're telling me about this show and also thinking that this show was grasping at uh, was straw grasping utter bullshit. Uh, yeah, like I'm a little bit in the in the in the the push and pull of that feeling. It's fascinating for me to think about how you watched Ozark spoiled on the big yes. the finale of the third season. Yeah. Going back then and just crushing first one, two Quick. and three. Yeah. Down and, fast. Then, and then we all experienced season four similarly in terms of it all coming out at once for the first part and then it all coming out at once for the second part. Uh, and I do wonder um, if we watch season four in a one shot, it's going to feel longer. And there are probably things in this that if it had been limited to 10 episodes, um, would have felt like this fourth season maybe had a little more cohesiveness to it. Yeah, totally. Um, and maybe there's a world where if we do it that way, we bring Camilla in at the beginning of season four um, with the Javi stuff. Uh, and, and that happens right at the beginning of season four. So maybe that's just it. Maybe maybe 10 episodes. Maybe there is a, an issue with the Netflix model in that way, splitting it up. Uh, so maybe that's part of it. I don't know what the genesis of this season was. 
uh, if they were told, you know, write 10 and they were told to add more. I don't have any of the details on the on the creative on that aspect of it. Uh, so uh, they may have had to midwife this a little bit uh, and bring something in that wasn't uh, the way it was intended or they maybe they weren't delivering the product they had originally intended to or they weren't the primary deliverer or there was some variance there. But I would be curious if we watched part A and part B together, uh, which we won't do. But if you're <laughs> right. if you're a person who yeah. did that, I wonder if the if it all how it lands. Yeah. I wonder if it lands any differently, if the Jonas stuff feels differently. Um, maybe it feels a little more rushed, uh, having been just something that comes at the end of a seven episode arc instead of at the end of a final season arc. Like maybe there's a little more helium to it. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I can't say because I'll never experience it that way. I think it's funny uh, that uh, there's ways in which we're talking about how uh, – some of the arcs at the end feel rushed or sudden and not as fleshed out as we'd like them to be. And yet I would also argue that the final season is at least four episodes too long. Uh, and, and maybe even a smidge more, more than that is sort of my ultimate feeling. But I, I think, you know, again, uh, if I had just experienced it all in a crush, would that be any different? One thing that comes to mind for me is I, I agree that the death of Ruth Langmore certainly as a consequence of her actions, but also a consequence of the, of the arrival of the Bird family into her life. I think that, that that all ultimately works to serve the final points of the show. Is it, is it stronger, Antonio, if rather than trying to like introduce yet another cartel person who comes in all of these episodes later to avenge her son and seek that vengeance upon the head of Ruth Langmore... Is it stronger if Marty and Wendy have to make that choice directly, if they are the ones who have to take out Ruth? I did not like the removal of agency uh, in any way. And there was a version of the ending of this show, which is not the same, obviously, that uh, Wendy, having made her peace with Ruth and having seen all of this unfolding at her event in front of her very eyes, uh, and having just had everything that happened with her family and her kids and actually maybe having an arc and having the growth in that realm uh, takes the bullet for Ruth in some way, shape or form, sticks her neck out, uh, goes against what Camilla said uh, and ultimately is the one who ends up shot that night and dead that night. And maybe there's a version of that story uh, where it, it, that all does feel more earned. Um, and it does feel like, okay, Wendy should have been given some justice. Uh, the birds still escape Jonah and Charlotte and Marty, and they got their money and everything they did work, but at what cost? And the interesting thing, of course, is the cost would have come at the, at the expense of humanity, at the expense of Wendy showing a little weakness. The theme there being you have to be completely cold and you have to be completely calculated to succeed the way that they have. And so that leads me to say, like, if you if you want, to really uh, ha hammer that theme home, uh, maybe the best way to do it is to put them in the position, uh, is to make them have to make that call. Uh, I, I don't know that it would have felt to me any better or different than it would have been when Wendy took and made the call to get Ben off the board. Right. Um, that surely hit her more than Ruth. But if you made Marty do it, uh, and there's there's an element of Marty in this final season that I really did like, which is that he starts really getting his hands dirtier than ever before. He has a significant road rage incident, yes. which is not the Marty Bird we know. It maybe is the Antonio Mazzaro <laughs> we know, but it is not the Marty Bird uh, we know. Um, <laughs> and it, it, uh, you have that, and then he goes, he goes down to Mexico. <laughs> 
uh, in probably the most ridiculous storyline of the entire series. Uh, other than uh, my buddy Andrew pointed out a hilarious plot hole, which is that uh, Wyatt and, 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 and Darlene end up dead and the police are out there investigating. And they somehow didn't open the barn door to see the giant mound of heroin uh, that Ruth later offloads yes. uh, in the season that the killer could have just been hiding in the barn the whole time. Um, but probably as ridiculous as that is Marty goes to the cartel and becomes the acting Navarro. Yeah, uh, he becomes the guy. But in doing so, he ultimately has to have someone killed. Uh, he makes the call uh, and takes somebody off the table. Uh, and that is an evolution of Marty Bird. That is not who Marty Bird has been. Uh, not not that overtly. Um, he's literally in the shoes of the kingpin, uh, literally in the kingpin's home, uh, dealing with the kingpin's associates and making the calls the kingpin would make. Uh, so if that's not the kingpin, then he certainly looks an awful lot like him. And I don't see the resemblance with D'Onofrio at all, personally. <laughs> but. Not that kingpin. No. Yeah. Not that. Not that. Yeah. Not that kingpin. Unfortunately. Not that year. Yeah, not that. Where's Vanessa? Yeah, um, yeah, not that year. Uh, but there's a version of that where where you could have that. And if that's the version of Marty Bird that we're building over this final seven, you could have developed a story where he has to make the call on Ruth, uh, and his call one way or the other is the ultimate end of the series. That would have been a thing. Um, they didn't want to go in that direction, but they could certainly have had a strong ending if they put that choice in the hands of Marty and Wendy, they made it a sin of omission on their part. Uh, and they made it seem like they didn't really have an out. So their hands are a little bit clean, at least in that regard, even though, as you pointed out earlier, you're right. Them coming at all is why it happens to Ruth in the way it happens. Um, there could be obviously plenty of arguments that Ruth would have been taken out at that age in any number of ways. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, the, with, with or without the birds, uh, but um, them coming certainly did hasten that for sure. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to wrap this thing up without talking about the return of Tom Pelfrey as Ben Davis, uh, who we lose in, we gain and lose in season three. And one of the things that season three does with this character who shows up, um, you know, like a, like a hurricane and just like rocks through the third season of the show. It's such a great performance. He's so important to so many of the people on the show. Like you say, he casts a really long shadow over a lot of season four with Wendy's conflict with her father and her father being so importantly involved here with Mel Saddam not being able to abide what has happened to this man. Um, but we never watched him die. It is obvious that he did. Um, we, you know, we are, uh, we are spared having to see his death scene. But here in season four, one of the cold opens is the return of Tom Pelfrey as Ben in uh, his final moments on Earth, uh, and a scene that echoes the the scene that I know that lives rent free in your head, um, the the one where he's with the taxi driver in his final episode, uh, and he's just talking in the back seat of the car um, about everything that's brought him to this moment, all the things that he has has lost along the way, uh, and the whole well, that's how my day's been going. How so? My day's been going good. How about yours? Uh, we get another version of that that ultimately leads to him getting shot, uh, which, again, I think we are spared some of the, the you know, at least like the gory uh, brutality of that moment. Um, but was this was this a, an additive scene for you? Was it like a re-traumatizing scene for you? Did you enjoy getting to spend Ben's final moments on Earth with him? Uh, did that feel like something that you wanted the loop closed on? I didn't need it. 
I didn't want it. Uh, Tom Pelfrey, though, as Ben, any more scenes I could have had with him, including really this one, uh, I'm in for. So if you told me I, I could, you could steal another scene with uh, with Ben, but it's going to be literally everything that you didn't see before uh, until his his uh, switch is flipped off. And I would have said, uh, OK, I guess I'll take it because it means more Ben. Uh, and I, in this particular regard, I really did like the scene. I liked how he goes through sort of the stages of grief and uh, he's got this level of acceptance and he feels bad for the people that have to be involved. Uh, and he feels like he made some dumb mistakes. And uh, there's there is like the moment of the, uh, the the long night of the soul he had in the cab ride where he's talking and, and, and maybe making his peace with his God. Um, and then we're, we're sort of hearkening back to that as you're pointing out with that scene in the car so i i really did like having ben back and more than anything and i, I i'd have to go back and rewatch the first half of the season because i know the jonah stuff uh was there um, i don't know to what extent the the rest of his legacy played out over that first part but i did appreciate how like i said he was a character not just in the scene uh but throughout the course of this final half um, his presence was very telling throughout uh and was a was a was an active presence uh throughout in a way that i thought made sense like wendy couldn't shouldn't have escaped uh the the justice of this act truly uh and i don't know if she's escaped it morally i don't know if she's escaped it in terms of her level of feeling um or what she's what she's felt uh, or what she will feel in the years to come uh, but as far as the show goes uh, I appreciated that the show had the respect for the character. And I also appreciated, not for nothing, that they cut away from that scene right before it was too Yeah, too yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that uh, if they're like, it's cold comfort, but his very last moment on Earth is him thinking he's about to wake up from a dream. You know, yes. in, in that moment, he's fearless. Uh, in, yeah. that, in that moment, to him, he's lucid. Um, I would uh, I would like to uh, submit the theory that the whole of the show Ozark was <laughs> Yeah, I like that. Uh, sort of like how um, in uh, in Game of Thrones, Westeros was all just uh, the eye of a giant named Macumber. Uh, <laughs> yeah, same thing. Same yeah, thing. I think that's good. Uh, I I just have to shout it again. Uh, first time on the podcast, I believe, but uh, like the fourth or fifth time to you in person, Antonio. Uh, Tom Pelfrey, who plays Ben, currently on Outer Range on Amazon, which is wrapping up its first season this week. We're going to have some podcast coverage of Outer Range. We've gotten a lot of questions about that. Uh, the great R. Philly and Austin Smith are going to be co-piloting our Outer Range podcast, which is going to be in the Binge Show Recaps podcast feed. Postshowrecaps.com slash binge if you want to subscribe to that and get the Outer Range podcasts. Uh, but Tom Pelfrey has uh, a role in that playing, you know, a, you know, a veritable cowboy. Josh Brolin's son uh, is who he is playing on that show. And uh, there are ways in which he doesn't quite go for it uh, the same way that he goes for, for playing Ben on Ozark. And then there are other ways in which like, I immediately think about some of the things that his character Perry Abbott has been through in Outer Range just in the first couple of episodes. Like, oh, no, yeah, he does go for some stuff. Uh, so I know you're a big fan of that actor. Uh, I just want to want to try and upsell you on Outer Range. One last Outer time. Range. Yeah. Outer Range. Uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm sitting around watching Ozark uh, pilots again. So I may see if I can fit it into my schedule. Yeah. Uh, I think it's pretty good. Pretty good. Okay, okay. It's, it's finding itself, I think. Good. Uh, so am I. So we have something. We we all are. We all are. Act um, accordingly. What else from the final season of Ozark? I mean, talking about the final season of a show 
in just an hour and change is going to leave some stuff on the table inevitably. Were you happy to see the return of Rachel? Rachel! I like Rachel, and I like Rachel as a character who could escape and did escape. I don't love Rachel as a character who might be circling the drain again. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad that she didn't have a, a real fall from grace. I'm glad that we did not see her using uh, or anything that, that may have come from her interactions with the Bird family yet again. Um, I like that she came back kind of knowing who was full of shit and knowing what to call out. Um, I appreciated seeing her again for sure. Um, I like seeing all the Wyatt ghost stuff. Um, yeah, really like the, the presence of Wyatt on the show. Just the Langmores um, generally in the final. The Langmores generally a great scene with uh, with Mark Menchaca playing uh, Angel from Montgomery by one of my absolute favorites, John Prine, uh, playing there, uh, and a happy moment, perhaps a memory, perhaps a perhaps a fantasy, right? Uh, perhaps a hybrid of both there for Ruth in that moment. Uh, but I, I really, really like that scene a lot. Um, and I just, uh, overall, I, I like some of the, the memories. We had a message. We had some flashbacks to Marty uh, leaving a message for Bruce saying, hey, we're going to get that office. Let's get that office. He's in his backyard. It's shot. It was actually shot during the pilot and cut from the pilot and never aired. And they saved it and brought it back in this season. So I appreciate some of those moments as a fan of the show. Um, it was always a really watchable show for me. Uh, it was always a really watchable show for me, in part because of the crazy stuff that happened, uh, in part just because I like the cast so much um, that I, it, it, it remained so throughout. It remained a compulsively watchable show for me. And I'll always appreciate that about Ozark, even though it's so bleak and the theme is something that would normally trigger me through the roof. Uh, I don't know why uh, the show always was watchable for me. So I appreciate that. One other thing is it looks really stupid when Camilla shoots Ruth. Oh, the slow-mo bullet? Yeah, you see like the slow motion bullet goes. It just looked dumb, I thought. At least she was standing up. At least she didn't have to kneel. Like there wasn't that aspect of it. She What's died. her what are her final words like? What are you waiting for? You know, yep. like she's let's get you this know, over with. Let's get, get this started. Over with. What are we yeah. doing? If you're gonna mm -hmm. do it, do it. She does she she's a she's Ruth Langmore on her way out, which I really appreciate. And respect, even if the bullet looked like so. I, I thought maybe we had a bullet time moment coming. I thought she was gonna bend <laughs> backwards it. at the waist and dodge it. Yeah. Oh, if Ruth was the one, uh, she is the one. You know that would be that'd be pretty good. I think uh, another Emmy coming Julia Garner's way for sure. Uh, I think so too. She might get two. Can you get one for no. uh, Ozark and then get one for inventing Anna I, for like oh. or something? Well, yeah, yeah, she could. She could. She could, she could, she could double tap that. I don't oh, know if she tap. will. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if that's going to happen. I think likelier Antonio is she could win the Emmy for Ozark and then they strip it away for inventing Anna. Uh, oh no! It's oh, a, no. a possibility on the board. <laughs> uh, well, I, uh, I I walk away from the conversation with uh, some some new fascination and appreciation for the for the themes of the show for sure, and so much of that first run through um, those first three seasons for me that was like next level binge stuff for me. Uh, yeah. It was a, a really a really really great uber watchable binge. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll go back to it again someday. I'm let not me, eager. I'm not eager. Let uh, me close with this. If, if, if there was, uh, if there were to be, and this is of course all the rage and Ozark reborn an Ozark no resurrection, zero interest. Without is there Ruth any Langmore? aspect of the show they could focus on that would, that would, that would pique yes, your interest? Yes. Uh, ghosts of the Langmores. Uh, the whole show is like a haunted house. 
Uh, <laughs> and it's like what we do in the shadows with the Langmores. Yes, yes. Fucking guy, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I would want. And what's that funeral director dude who was the total Colin Robinson of the show? Yes, he really uh, was. He you really know, was and Mr. he get, whatever. Yeah, and he gets to leave, so that's nice for him. You know, yeah. he gets to mostly be happy, I suppose. Uh, yeah, I would want the ghosts of Ozark past. I have no interest in ever seeing a single one of the birds ever again. Interesting. Uh, yeah. No, thank you. I'm good. My life is fine. Bring back ghost buddy. You know, give me ghost Ben. Give me ghost Darlene and you Jacob. Want ghost Zark. Ghost Zark. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's it. You it's got a, it. You know, it is a haunting show. Like, I, I, I don't I have uh, a long enough arm to ding Rob Sesternino's bell right now. <laughs> but I wish that I did. That's all right. Ghost Zark. Yeah. Ghost well, you, okay. you know, it's good to close a podcast on a high note, Antonio. Uh, so that's the Ozark finale podcast. Uh, may we never speak of this again. Uh, unless, you know, maybe some occasion, some point down the line. I'm not eager for it. I hope people really liked uh, the final season. If this was a show that you were really invested in, I hope that the uh, the, the show was uh, was uh, able to stick the landing for you. I know certainly a couple of the patrons of Bojo Recaps, this did not happen for. Uh, yeah. But I'd be curious to, to get the takes from uh, from listeners out there, um, you know, uh, what, what you all thought of the final season of Ozark. If you want to write it into our Better Call Saul uh, email address, both Antonio and I will get that BCS at postshowrecaps.com. Not for podcasting, but if you just have thoughts on the final season, you want to send them to me and Antonio, we'd love to read them. Uh, that'd be great. BCS at postshowrecaps.com. Or you can tweet at us at Round Howard, at AC Mazzaro. How many Zs? How many Rs? Two Zs and, uh, sorry, yeah, two Zs and one R. Whoa, uh, you didn't unlike, unlike Ozark. I mean, yeah. there's only one Z and one R in Ozark. Yes. So, uh, yeah. I've got a lot of similar letters, really. I need yeah. to get a K in my name at some point. Antonio Mazzozark. No, it it's there. It's it, almost there. It's almost there. I was going to say, I would I would like to watch, like, uh, it's a thousand years into the future, uh, and some, like, uh, some kind of, uh, I don't know, future anthropologist is unearthing this region, and it's Raiders of the Lost Ozark. Mm, yeah. Where's uh, the lost Zark? How about that? Uh, I think uh, like uh, 2004 Zark. Uh, <laughs> so the year is 2400. 24, yeah. And then it's 2004 Zark. All right. Okay. I think we did it. Future Ozark could be good. I think good. it's done. Uh, Kiefer Sutherland could show up too because it's 24. Uh, 24. Yep. That's uh, good. I like this. We are going to be back in just a couple of days with uh, our Better Call Saul Season 6, Episode 4 feedback show. Uh, no spoilers about what's going on on Better Call Saul because maybe you're listening to this Ozark podcast in the Posture Recaps main feed instead of the Better Call Saul podcast feed. I would say if you watched all of Ozark and by chance you didn't watch Breaking Bad and therefore Better Call Saul, fix that. Uh, I think that the, you should definitely be watching or should have watched all Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul is currently coming in to a very strong finish. It certainly seems like um, so on the off chance that you're an Ozark fan who has yet to do the Breaking Bad or the Better Call Saul of it all uh, strong endorsement for both of those shows. And then you can go and you can catch up on all of the Better Call Saul podcasts that Antonio and I are doing here as we are uh, saying goodbye to yet another show. No spoilers on that one. Plenty of spoilers elsewhere in the Better Call Saul podcast feed. 
Antonio, anything else? No, that does it for me. Thank you so much to everybody who tuned into these little mini episodes of coverage. Sorry if you didn't like it in the feed, but if you stuck around, even still, I like you even more. Yes, absolutely. All right. We will be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, everybody. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.